this morning, if you'll go with me to Philippians, the third chapter. There they are. Scary when you lose both pair of your glasses. So a precious mom was celebrating her 80th birthday. Uh, three sons, very wealthy, had done very well for themselves. So they decided on her 80th birthday to do something spectacular. They wanted to honor her and bless her and just really, really bless her life. And so the oldest son decided that he would purchase his mom a mansion. Eleven bedrooms, six bath, open foyer, beautiful, gorgeous, over a little, over, right above a little lake, and just everything was landscaped, everything was so nice. And that's what the oldest son got for his mom. The second son decided mom, to buy mom a Rolls Royce, and he bought the nicest, fanciest, sharpest, loaded Rolls Royce that you could possibly imagine. The third son went to a great, great deal of trouble, and he found a parrot that had memorized the entire New Testament in English, the entire New Testament. And so he presented his mom, that parrot, her 80th birthday. So about a month, six weeks later, the guys decided to drop in on mom and just see how she was doing. And uh, when they got there to the house, they met with mom, and mom greeted them. And mom said, uh, I want to thank you, first of all, for my beautiful home. It's gorgeous. It's decorated so well. Unfortunately, it's so big, I kind of get lost in it. So I'm just staying right here in the maid's quarters. But thank you for the thought. It was it was a blessing. And the second son said, well, Mom, how, how do you enjoy your car? She said, I love it. It's gorgeous. She said, unfortunately, it's so wide, I'm running over mailboxes. And I'm running over trash cans. And so my, my taxi cab had been coming and taking me. But thank you. It was a great, a great gesture. To the youngest son, she said, Mom, how did you enjoy your gift? And she said, son, that's the best chicken I've ever eaten. <laughs> okay, where's the second Where's the second wave? <laughs> Takes just a moment. Um, gotten a little uh, Facebook uh, feud uh, this week in a loving, caring way, and that's the way I keep Facebook. If there's, if there's, I'll tell you, if there's any drama on Facebook, I delete it. I don't need, I'm telling you, I don't delete it, but there was this question of can you start over? Can you just... I saw where someone said, I'd just like to move away, move into a new town, a new job, a new car, a new everything. Can you start, just, can you just start over? No, you can't, but you can start again. And when you start again, God wipes that slate clean, and all of the things against us are, are washed as far as the east is from the west. He gives us a new heart, a new favor, 4,000 promises in the word of God just for you, 190-some thousand of those promises have to deal with the second coming of Christ. I'm not teaching on the second Christ coming, but the, Jesus said, when you see these things appearing, know that it's nigh. And the one thing that I'd like to bring to your attention this week, we're, des, des, we're definitely a country that is divided. And uh, uh, but the Jesus said, when nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, know that things are at the door. And you don't have to be uh, a, real, a real news activist 
to realize that right now in our country, things are scary. And we're at a place where the enemy would really like to overwhelm righteousness and destroy some of the things that we have celebrated for hundreds of years. And so for me and my house, we stand and support the kingdom, support what God is doing, pray for our enemies and bless those that are trying to do something right. And uh, we, make that a, we make that a matter of he's coming soon. The Apostle Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, Paul is saying, I haven't arrived yet. Uh, he's already written almost half the New Testament. He'd been murdered, left for dead, and he got up from that stoning and uh, has seen a lot of incredible, phenomenal things happen. But as, as Saul was getting ready to go to the next place, say that with me, the next place. God doesn't want you stuck in this place. God wants to get you to next place. And Jesus said, when you see these things, realize and understand that there's a revival that's about to come and the world's about to be turned upside down and millions are going to come to Christ in that day of resurrection. That's what the word of God declares. So we're, we're, part, we're a ch church that we're full gospel. We believe everything the Bible says, but the Bible says when all these things begin to come to pass, then realize it's even at the door. And if I'm going to be a part of a full-fledged, all-out campaign to win souls for the Lord, I want to be equipped with all the things that God has given me and all the things that God wants me to use for this next generation, this next season, this next dimension. I want every weapon. I want every favor. I want every blessing. I want every anointing. I want every single part of God that he wants to involve in my life. I want that. And, and that I am pursuing that. And I am, I am looking for that. And uh, as, you, as you see how time literally just flies by, time is getting short. And I believe that, I believe that there are people in this room within the sound of my voice. There will be several hundred that will listen to this on podcasts today and tomorrow. But I believe that there is an element in this room that has a warrior mentality, and you want to take back the things the enemy has stolen from you. You want to see a breakthrough in your family. You want to see a breakthrough in your finances. We've been talking about the vision. Write it down. It's going to come to pass. Begin to declare it to each other. Begin to declare it one to another. And as you begin to declare the word spoken over one another, it will not only change your life, but it will change those that you're, you're surrounded by and those that are involved in watching your life. I looked um, in my heart the past couple of days just something that I wanted this house to receive. And I just, I just got to reflecting about some of the things that God has already cycled and processed for us. I got to thinking about some of those things that, and Elio said it so well uh, this morning. I made, it, I made a decision this morning. I, I realized that I can lay here and feel bad, or I can get up, take a shower, and go to the house of God and pursue getting well. And so that was a decision. I made, I made a decision today to see something change in my life because I think things happen when two or three gather in his name and we begin to worship, begin to praise. It begins, it begins to create incredible environments for us to experience. When I think, when I think of the things that we've been looking at, uh, the past several weeks, I begin to realize that it is okay. Look at somebody say, it's okay not to be okay. There are, there are things that are going to happen in our life that as we look back with regrets or as we look back with, with positive, there are events that have taken place in your life that, it, that have helped shape you to become what you are to become. And we reflect this week as we've seen uh, a qualified judge being ready for appointment, how his history has been searched all the way to 15 years of age, 
And I look back and I think of all the stupid things I've done from the age of 50. I'm the 70s generation. I'm the Led Zeppelin generation. When I look at all the stupid things I've done over the past 50, 50 years, I think, praise God, that you don't have to go through a, a, a White House uh, gathering to be called to preach. Aren't you glad, aren't you glad that pe- people are not going through your past, sorting through your emails, look at your Facebook, and try to disqualify you because of something that happened in your past? And so we've learned that as we pursue in this journey, there are going to be, and it is expected, there are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be times when you're going to be slam-stopped, the same time when your vehicle may turn over. Keith Redknight right now is healing from a horrific accident that should have taken his life. He's recovering. Misha's here, recovered from a very serious accident that should have taken her life and everyone in the car. So as we grow and as we pursue to become what God wants us to become, I believe we come to a place in our life where it's important to grow up. It's important to, for us to, and if, if the Lord allows me, I do have time this morning, I will talk about that, about growing up in the Lord, completing a project, pursuing something that is, that, that is reachable, and you have it in your heart and your spirit, and know that you can look back at the bumps in the road to use them as experience. I mean, I might, I might not be able to tell you how to pastor a church, but I can sure tell you how not to pastor it. I can tell you the mistakes that I've made is 30 33-year window, 34, church will be 30 in uh, February. As I look back through the 30 years that I've been here, I think, man, I have really done some really stupid things. I mean, I mean, not, not just dumb things, stupid things, you know. And I, I got to thinking, but you, when you look back and see the things you've done and your heart is pure and your hands are clean, it's just funny how God honors that and blesses that. When God told me to send every single Cleveland resident a copy of The Way of the Eagle, do you remember we did that? My staff looked at me and like said, you're talking about 25,000 CDs. And I, you know what I said? Aren't you glad we're not in Atlanta? But, but the bumps in the road, the experiences in life, are the thing that makes us stronger and the thing that makes us pursue the things of God. I've learned also when God told Isaiah, listen, once you go to the potter's house, I want you to look around there, I want you to see something. And as he went to the potter's house, he saw the potter, the vessel, and he saw the environment of the, of the, of the, 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 the what, what am I looking for? That, that lathe, I guess, that makes out that, that container. And as he watched the master begin to form that container, even while the container was in the hands of the master, there were still bad things that happened to it. God took it, took all of his mistakes, all of his blemishes, and he, and he shaped it into a more lovely vehicle, a more lovely container for people to enjoy. And so the things that you've experienced in life, I have learned you can't be so bad or do so wrong or mess up so big that God cannot take that and forgive that and restore that and turn it all around. Where he takes your testimony, he takes your story, and now we have a testimony effective to end end some of the attacks of the enemy. Uh, We were talking about prophecy, I believe, Friday. And I think I, I turned, it was Jay and I talked about prophecy, talking about the things that God happens, the things that God has prophesied. If God said it, it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. You might be four days at the side of Lazarus, or you might be in the belly of a whale. But if God has declared something over you, that declaration is going to come to pass. You cannot allow your past to say, well, I've been in jail. Well, I broke the law. Well, I've, I've been divorced. I've had an abortion. Uh, I've been walking in poverty. I've been walking. You, you can tell God whatever you want to tell God, and God said, I know all that. 
and I'm going to use that testimony for my glory. The Bible says clearly in the last days, two attacks of the enemy. One, to blaspheme the name of God. And if you watch the media, if you watch movies, if you watch, it, it seems like they're trying to make Jesus look cheap and, and silly and frivolous. And we all know better than that. But that's what the Bible says. In the last days, he'll try to make Jesus look bad. And the second thing, it will be his goal. This is the enemy against us to try to wear us out with pressure and problems and drama. Can anybody relate? And it seems like, man, we go from storm to storm. We go from paycheck to paycheck. But God has reminded us in Isaiah, you can't fall so far that I can't catch you. You can't mess up so bad that I cannot redeem it and restore it and then give you something to declare. Things were going wrong in Isaiah's life. He began to look around, realize his life was out of order, realize his verbiage was out of order, realize his ministry was out of order. And he turned back to God, and the first thing he saw in, in, in looking at God, he saw the ability to worship. Don't ever allow the enemy to take away your ability to worship. Don't ever talk yourself out of your goodness. It's, so, it's easy sometimes to say, well, I failed God. I've dropped the ball. I know he's embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to go back. I don't want to. That's a lie of the enemy. That is, a, that is a lie of the enemy. God takes the circumstances of our life. And I promise you right now, one of our court judges, should he be appointed, We'll, we'll say that he's gone through something that no one has ever gone through since 1887. No one's ever gone through. And all the stuff that he's going through right now, it just puts a check by his name. It puts a crown on his head and lets us know there are still people in this world trying to do the right thing. And you can always tell if you're trying to do the right thing because there's always opposition towards the right thing. And so we realize that God is working those things in our heart and spirit. Isaiah looked up, looked up in worship. And then he began to look around in discipleship and realize he wasn't really where he needed to be, wasn't listening to the right voices. And then finally, the door was open for Isaiah to go and minister. And Isaiah said, here, my Lord, send me. And what is scary, you have to have certain qualifications for a certain job. I know in some, in some cases, you have to have a high school diploma. In some cases, you have to have a college degree. In some cases, you have to have a certain amount of education. But all those things you're going through right now are qualifying you to do what God wants to do with you and in you in the last days. You might be a lion killer. You never know. You might be a, you might be a Goliath killer. David was allowed to kill the lion and the bear to give him the ability and the experience to say, I can take on this challenge because I've already defeated this challenge and this challenge. And the day comes when you start making a list of things that God has accomplished in your life. First of all, the fact that you're six feet above ground tells me you've done pretty good. Because during the next breath I take, 80,000 people will close their eyes in death. 87,000 people in America will close their eyes in death in, in, in the next few moments. So you're alive. You're here. You made it. You survived. And you got the scars to prove it. The scars are the ability to say, hey, here's an attack that I, that I was under. I did okay. And now I'm going to use this scar to remind somebody else that if God did it for me, then God can do it for you. We flipped last week and we looked at Job. We looked at all the bad things that happened to Job. But in those bad things that happened to Job, he, there's three things he did not lose. He did not lose his ability to worship, the presence of the Holy Ghost. He did not use his, lose his ability to pray. When, when Cassie was named, that was the God of praise. And then he did not lose his vision. So it was so scary when God came, when God came to Job and said, I'm going to turn all this around. And the way I'm going to turn it around is I'm going to have you pray for your friends. And when you pray, I'm going to open doors for you. Prayer is a door that brings blessing of opportunity to us. 
when we begin to pray one for another, God does not honor our prayers, but God begins to honor us. I made a phone call this, uh, two weeks ago and was told that my precious cousin that had his prostate removed, his bladder removed, he was told this last week that he was cancer-free. And we, this church, have been praying for him every day. Through, throughout the nation, different friends, different loved ones have been praying. I got a, I got a phone call, uh, I'm sorry, a text message that says, this girl desperately needs a miracle prayer. She's dying. And so we've added her to our, to our prayer. I'm, I'm praying that she's going to live. Her name is Amy, Sonia and Ron Merkel's sister. And I'm, I'm just praying that, that Amy's going to live and not die. And as we begin to agree in prayer, it not just opens a door for us to bless somebody else. It opens a door for us to be blessed. Aren't you glad this morning you're, we're at a place? We, we are, we've moved ourselves into a position of blessing because we have been obedient. I wrote some, I wrote some uh, thoughts down here. I just want to bring them to your attention. Maybe I, if I'd have wrote one shade larger, I wouldn't have had to look at my notes. A few, week, a few weeks ago, the Lord led me to a book and what was so ironic, the past couple of days, I couldn't find the book, but the Lord led me to a book that is simply entitled Seven Seasons of Life. Seven Seasons of Life. And you know me, I love seasons. I love to talk about seasons. Ecclesiastes 3, it tells us that there are 28 seasons. Those, tw those 28 seasons fall into four categories of seven. And so it kind of identifies some of the things that we go through as we are growing up. Do we have anybody? arrived here this morning. Anybody all grown up, still still room for some teaching? Three of us? Awesome. Here we go. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, seven seasons of a person's life, the first season that you will experience, and all of us hopefully have experienced this. Uh, if not, then we want to call X-Files creators and tell them we got a story. But your first season of life is your life. Your life. Your, 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 your parents didn't abort you. You didn't die at a young age. You're alive. You have, may have gone through many places where it looked like you was going to die. Can anybody relate? There have been accidents and, and tragedies and, and medicine and surgeries and all of that. But number one, there is a season of, of being an infant. And what is so funny, a mom that has several kids will tell you she loves all of her kids the same, but there's just something about that baby. And, you know, we watch that baby, uh, nine out of ten babies that are born are ugly. And uh, we'll look at that baby, and we'll lie. Oh, what a, what a beautiful. Now, now uh, recently, the, the Davises have produced some of their babies. And you know what? They're all good looking. I don't know how that, how that happened. But you see, my, my little niece just had a little baby girl, Grace and Kate, and she looks like a Gerber commercial. But most, of, most babies I've seen, it looks like their heads kind of smashed this way, and their, their nose is like this way. And they got all kind of hundreds of wrinkles under the chin. And, and, and they, open, they open their mouth to cry. And they, they cry over everything. They cry when they're wet. They cry when they're hungry. Uh, they cry when they don't. They're just trying to get your attention because they know if they cry, you will. And so that's the first season of our life that we were cuddled, and we were babied, and we were and we were waddled over, and we and, and so so everything in infancy became everything we did was a home run. The first dad, dad, mama, dad's moms will fight. He, she said mama first. No, she said dad at first. Her first, the first smile. I've actually seen on Facebook, look, her first smile. Who cares about her first smile? And then, there, then, there's, her first, then there, there's her first achievement, you know, and we will look over into a toilet and brag on her first achievement and just tell her how special she is. And then when she's two years old, three years old, everything she does is like you stop everything, you laugh, and uh, we, we have our own Skylar stories. But Skylar, 
is a four-year-old stuck in a four-year-old body. And you, you can watch her mind processing things and watch her mind processing stuff. And I realize that she is going from transition from, from infancy, also, obviously, into childhood. And then we step into that childhood. The farthest I, I can actually remember being in kindergarten, and the only reason I was in kindergarten, the, re, the only reason I remember this story is because I got in trouble. Somehow, don't ask me how, I got into the teacher's purse, and I found her lipstick. Now, my mom, uh, being Church of God, my mom never wore lipstick her whole life. That was just a standard that they had established years ago that was very silly, but they believed in this denomination, they believed in the Church of God, and so she didn't wear uh, lipsticks. I didn't know what it was. I got it, got it all of my hands, got it all of my shirt, got it everywhere, and then the teacher asked me if I was involved in, li in her lipstick. The evidence was there. I didn't know evidence was there. I lied. And then I think back of some of the dumb, crazy things I did as a child. As a child, I did some stupid things. I remember we made stilts. I don't know if you've ever uh, made a pair of stilts out of wood, about two foot high, and you walk in the stilts. Well, we thought that was so cool that we just put our, our skateboards on the bottom of the stilts, and then we started skating with our skateboard. And then that wasn't cool enough. We tied a rope. I had a friend. He's dead now. I had a friend that the elevator didn't go all the way up. We had a little 67 Corvette. And what he would do, he would come over and tie a rope around his bumper, then tie a rope around my waist, and then we would take off, not realizing that I was, was going to fall, I was going to eat it. And then I fell and ate it, not just one elbow. Not just, have you ever had a, a three elbow injury? Can anybody relate to, I mean, I, Mike, my, my, I remember growing up with no knee pads, no elbow pads. I was always peeling and picking at the, at the wound. Can anybody relate? And when you think about all the crazy things you did when you were a child, then you think about puberty, and you think about adolescence, and you think about going from that process of from a child to being a, a teenager, and that window there where you, you learn. Um, there was a book written, I think, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. I don't know if you've read that book. But you begin, you begin to grow up. You begin to make your own way, pursue your own things, your own passions, your own, your own habits, your own hobbies, and those things that you experienced. And I don't even talk about that teenage window because that was about one of the craziest windows of my life. Can anybody relate? I got a, I got a car, I got a car right early, and my dad got tired of taking us to a private school, and so I got a driver's license very early uh, in life. And I remember one particular morning we were going to school, and I had created a stereo system that it had wires sticking up in the back dash and speakers on the dash, and had a big woofer, one of those uh, PA systems that I parked. And man, when we when we rock, we rock. I mean, we were driving down the the, 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 the panels, and waving back and forth, and it, it, it filled in intensity. It was like pretty cool. Until a car in front of me stopped suddenly, and I didn't see him. I whacked him. And I mean, I whacked him good. And they went up, whacked the car in front of me. I'm 16 years old. We're sitting there, and, and we've got this whack. And the only thing that's going on is George Harrison is saying, "I want you." I want you so bad. I want you. I want you so bad. I, I don't know how many remember that song on the Come Together album, but we're sitting there in complete shock. I mean, we met, we've met, we've messed this car, that car. We're all sitting there, and all George Harrison could do is say, I want you so bad. Then I think of some of our, then I think about when you go into that, that transition, when you go from high school to college, there's a, there's a drama there, there's a tragedy there, there's a, a moment there when you realize you're a lot smarter than your environment gives you credit for. 
and I say that obviously maliciously because we, we all had the spirit of pride. We graduated high school. Some of us, we hit that 18, that 18 mark. I don't know if you remember the 18 mark. Alice Cooper sings a song about, I'm 18, don't get in my way. And, and all of a sudden, now that we're 18, we know it all. The only thing I've realized is that if we're going from 17 to 18, all it means is that I, as a parent, I'm not responsible to feed my children anymore. They're 18, let them go make their own way. This president said, Dad, I want to, said, well, you're 18, go get your car. Well, Dad, I need some gas. Well, you're 18, go get a job. I mean, I use that against them because everybody uses 18 against us. Well, I'm 18 and I'm all grown up and I'm all this and I'm all that. And we, and we survived those days, whether, whether college or pursuing a job, whatever we're pursuing, and we survived that day. And then we graduate. And then we graduate with, with a diploma and we graduate with a big, wide open ocean. You can do anything you want with your life. You can become a fireman, a paramedic, a lawyer. You can go to Alaska and work at a fish camp and go to Hawaii and work as a bartender. There's all, all these things you want to do. And so that's a season, adolescence, that we step into, that we take on the, the problems and the battles and the wars of life and attempt to survive. And if we survive that career, those goals, decisions, days, and we get ourselves solid and get ourselves focused, a good job, good money, and we start paying some things that we need to have, then we step in this area that's called marriage. And it's, it's surprising to me, if you went to K-4, K-5, you would spend 13 years in high school just learning to fill out a job application and applying for a job that you could change anytime you wanted. But yet we will, we will go through the 13 years of school, higher education, get graduate and go do a job. But when it comes to marriage, hello, we think we know it all because we know it all. And then we're gonna marry somebody, hopefully that our, like our mom married, or that my dad married, hopefully we're gonna find a good woman. But then if your dad didn't have all that great of a wife, you're just out there. You're kind of stuck. And here you are stuck in marriage. And marriage is not a bad place to be stuck into, but it can be very, very challenging. And be very, very stretching, very, very, and the Bible says marriage is a, a good thing. So we, 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 we work out that fact of, I'm, I'm, I'm a partner now, I don't get all the peanut butter jelly. I don't get to eat the crust off the pizza. I, I don't go to this anymore. I hate the dog, why? Because he hates the dog, she hates the dog. I like this, I like that, I hate that. Why do you hate that? Because my husband hates it. Have you ever tried it? No, I said, well, how do you know you're gonna hate it? And so we, we seem to be tied in, the little, 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 little bondage there, I mean, covenant there, little tie in. And next thing, uh, in those joyous moments of college called married life, the seed is planted and the baby is birthed and the baby will literally not only take your breath away, but it will take your finances away. They can't sit in a regular chair. They can't have a regular car seat. They can't wear regular clothes. They have to, and I don't, I know I've got moms that's not gonna support me here, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we had clothes for Courtney and for Christine and for Skyler that they only wore one time because the way they were growing, that they, they would grow. If you're smart, you throw those clothes in the trunk. You're probably gonna have another baby a little later down the road and you will spend all those. They have to have a car seat now that goes in the car seat with special attachments. And the high chair, the regular high chair, the board, you gotta have one of those adjustable types that when you take, take it off and you can clean it without taking the whole thing apart. And so all of a sudden, we're broke. We are literally broke. If you as a parent, if you as a married couple are thinking about having a child, you need to get a pen and you need a piece of paper and you start writing down things that you'll need before the baby even gets here. 
before the money's before the before before there, there, there's the baby. Well, here's hundreds of dollars spent. Well, we need a three bedroom, two bedroom won't work anymore. Well, we we, we can't have a driveway. We gotta have this. We gotta have a trampoline. We gotta. It's funny. I bought trampolines for my kids before they could walk. Now tell me that makes sense. I bought my my. I thought I was gonna have a son, so I bought him a deer rifle. So I actually had a son. He got my shotgun. So it kind of worked out. It kind of worked out okay. But then all of a sudden there is the pressure of being a then as we journey through that pressure of being a parent, lo and behold, we birth little people. They grow up. They get schooled. They turn 18. They know it all. And then they have a child. If you think your children don't like you, wait till they have a six-month, one-year-old baby. And the way they want you to help nurture the baby, they want you to. They want grandma and grandpa to to speak in the baby's life and nurture the baby. Really, it's just a cheap babysitter. Mom, can can you watch the baby so I can run off? and go get a piece with and uh, yeah of course you, what do you mean you're of course you can go of course and then we as grandparents that's where i'm headed we as grandparents all of a sudden we realize everything look at something everything everything stops everything stops whether you're reading a book whether you're watching a movie whether you're trying to cook we're trying, everything stops you shut everything down and then you focus on that baby and the next two hours or whatever it is and you trade spots i'll pass along so you, you'll take this spot i'll take this Knowing when you, when you, whatever spot you take, there's no TV, there's no news, there's no food, there's no nothing. You just stop and you watch. Oh, did you see how she did her hand? Oh, that was the first thing. Get your phone. Look, she said, she said, Papa. She said, Papa. It's like, how crazy is that? And then we watched that process that we started, being an, being an infant, walking through puberty, walking through all of that. Then all of a sudden, it's reversed again, and we start all over and we help our children raise their children because that's the way that God ordained it and that's the way God orchestrated it. Same thing in the kingdom. Same thing in the kingdom. First phase is you meet Christ. Come into your heart. Walk squirrel, turns everything around. Things start tasting better. Things look better. You feel accepted. You feel wanted. You feel privileged. And the Bible says, as a newborn babe, desire to censor milk of the word that's what we become i can remember i can remember and i I won't bore you this morning but i can remember that first year when uh, i lost everything and then i went sunday night and committed my heart to the lord and i remember i look back over that those months there those months were so precious those months were so precious first of all any church that was having church it didn't matter if they were seventh-day adventist it didn't matter if it was catholic it didn't matter if there was a church service that night, I went to it. Anybody that wanted to talk about the Lord, I talked about the Lord. All the, all the testimony, all the blessing, all the stuff that I went through, I enjoyed being a baby. But you can only be a baby Christian for so long. And then you're expected to mature and grow. You're supposed to step into a season of adolescence, step into a season of relationship. All of a sudden you realize, not just am I saved, but this is what I'm saved from. And then when you realize what you're saved from, there's an easy transition into going into what I'm supposed to be in the lives of others. And we realize that we are supposed to be a blessing, we're supposed to be involved, we're supposed to be available. Then we begin to increase our knowledge, increase our wisdom, increase, increase our influence, and we start learning about the God that we're serving. And we realize not only are we sons and daughters of the Most High God, but that son and daughter comes a lot of perks, a lot of blessings, 
and very few responsibilities. There are very few things that God demands from us to become a part of the family of God. And the Bible says there's one, there's three, there's five. One's going to get to heaven. It's going to be blown away. All the things that they had accomplished for the Lord didn't realize it. One's going to be blown away that God used them in their humbleness and their servanthood. And then there's one that's going to say, I didn't sow anything. I didn't invest anything. I didn't I didn't I didn't sow anything. I didn't invest anything. And the Bible says we are all one day going to stand before God and give account of our maturity. When we place ourselves in a, in a full gospel, Bible-based, spirit-led church, all of a sudden you begin to realize there are little things that begin, doors begin to open. I learned a long time ago, if you see a need and you have the ability, fill it. I remember, I remember anytime someone would say, Pastor, I want you to know that the bathrooms are not in good shape and the kitchen looks a little, uh, you know, my attitude is, well, what are you doing Monday night after work? Can't, uh, don't just be the problem. Don't just observe the problem. Solve the problem. Then you realize there's a trust issue. All of a sudden, you start being trusted. And then maybe you're asked to sing on a worship team. Or maybe asked to work in a sound booth. Or maybe a greeter. Or maybe with children's ministry. And all of a sudden, you realize it no longer is all about you. It becomes about somebody else. And when Joe went through the stuff he went through, he had every right to have an attitude towards those guys. Some people believe the journey of Joe was nine months. That journey, some believe it was nine weeks. However long it was, his friends were punks. They were worthless. They were stupid. And they spoke bad things and did bad things to him. And God said, the one, the one area right now that you're struggling with, if you'll pray for them, I'll turn it around. And that's where we look in our life and realize there are people, and I know this is terrible to say, but my time's almost up, so you'll forgive me. There's, as, as you are going through life, there's almost phone calls you wish you got. There's accidents that maybe you wish had. There are things that take place to people that you gloat. There are people in your life that have hurt you, wound you so bad, you expect vindication and you expect something to happen to them. That's what talks about loving your enemies. That's where it gets tough. That's where it's easy to love that little three-year-old that comes over every night. It's easy to love that girlfriend or that boyfriend or that husband. That's easy to love. But when you're asked to love something that has hurt you, and wounded you and burnt you and you submit to that, it opens a door for you to be blessed. The Lord is faithful, He's good. We come in this morning, we learn stuff, we do stuff, we go out. I promise you, if you'll apply some of these things this week, okay, like 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 Isaiah, don't forget to worship. Like Isaiah, don't forget to be a disciple. And like Isaiah, don't forget to be used. If you don't feel like you're being used, ask somebody, where can you be used? If you feel like God is leading in a certain place, then let's get some books. Let's get some CD tapes. Let's get some information in your life that would make you a better greeter. You want to work as a prison chaplain? Then get a book about prison chaplains. You want to fly an L-1011? Then get a book that says fly L-1011s. Get, get qualified for the ministry that you think God is calling you to because I promise you, I'm looking at this congregation, and I realize our best days are ahead. We are not failure, not losers, we're not throwaways. God knows exactly where we are and exactly how we would get here. And now that we're here, he wants to use us for his glory to turn something around in the life of somebody else. And you realize it's about somebody else. And it's crazy. God gives you strength, anointing, favor, blessing, finances to pursue the call, the destiny, the purpose that he has on your life. 
if you don't have a destiny, if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have a, a career or anything of that nature, you can, you can meet with several that will say, let's, let's go from here, let's do this, let's do that. Well, I'd like to be involved here. Okay, what do we need to do to qualify to doing that? And what's so neat about God's qualification, he said, all I want you to do is feed the hungry, clothe the naked, minister the widow, and touch those that are in prison. We ask you to do that. And for years and years and years, we've not had anybody in prison. We've not had anybody in jail. There's not been that need for the church to pray. For years, we've been, been a church where we had food. Everybody had food. There were no problems with food. We've had places where we had parents able to take care of kids who didn't have dads. And I wish Austin, oh, there he is. Austin can tell you there are times that this church has reached out to families that the son didn't have a dad and would take them fishing, let them shoot guns. There's nothing cooler than being a teenager shooting a gun. Especially gun, and you're not buying the bullets because they're real expensive. And I'm from the from the pulpit. I'm not advocating you to go get a gun, or uh, you can kill all the trash can you want. That's a, that's okay. Lord, we thank you for a great day, great season, great time. Thank you for your word that will never lose its power. We thank you that it says you sent your word and your word healed them. We thank you that we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. We thank you for the blood that's been applied to each one in this house. God, you know those who are responding and, and des desperately in need of a prayer. Father Keith Red is doing excellent, continue to strengthen him, bless him, raise him up. Lord, touch my little aunt that found a spot on her liver. Lord, let that not be uh, let that be malignant, but keep your hand upon her. Those that we've reached out to, put, put your hand around them, cover them. Let our life be different. Let us change somebody else's life. In Jesus' name, y'all said, Amen.